It was a dark and stormy afternoon on the high moors of Northumberland. A cold October rain battered the Range Rover's roof, and the fog was as thick as porridge. I hoped my hosts at Weirdhurst Hall would hold high tea for me, because it looked as though I might be a bit late. Thanks to the murky weather, I'd almost certainly missed the turnoff for Weirdhurst's gated drive. To judge by the rover's lurching progress, I'd somehow left the paved road altogether and veered onto a narrow, muddy track that seemed to be climbing straight into the clouds. I could do nothing but climb with it. The moorland rose steeply to my right and fell sharply to my left. There was no place to turn around, and I had no intention of backing down a road I could barely see. I had even less intention of using my handy cell phone to inform my husband of the vehicular pickle I'd gotten myself into. Bill had already expressed grave reservations about my ability to drive without incident from our home in the Cotswolds to a remote location near the Scottish border. If I called to tell him where I was, or more precisely, where I wasn't, he wouldn't say, I told you so, but he'd think it loudly enough for me to hear. Apart from that, there was nothing Bill could do to help. Short of sending a Hercules helicopter to airlift me to safety, and I couldn't imagine even the most intrepid chopper pilot volunteering to fly in such wretched weather. The only phone call I was tempted to make was a transatlantic one to Boston, to pour my frustration into the ear of Dr. Stanford J. Fenderman, my former boss. The farther I climbed, the more willing I was to blame Stan for every splash of rain that blurred my windshield. After all, the trip had been his idea. I ground my teeth as I recalled the way in which he'd goaded me into driving to a distant corner of northeastern England in the monsoon month of October. Shepherd, how the hell are ya? Stan was the curator of my alma mater's rare book collection, but his colorful language owed more to a stint in the Navy than to his years in the rarefied world of rare books. You'll remember, Dickie Bird. I shook the cobwebs from my professional memory and came up with Richard Fleetwood Bird, head of a thriving family firm based in northern England a hard-nosed, irascible rascal with a soft spot for illuminated manuscripts. I hadn't laid eyes on him for the past eight years, but I doubted that he'd changed much since then. The Scrap Iron King of Newcastle? I sat at the desk in the study where I'd taken the call. Sure, I remember him. What's up with Dickie? His niece, Nicole, just got married, Stan informed me. Goes by the name Nicole Hollander now. Hubby's called Jared. You want me to drop off a wedding present? I asked. Just listen up, will ya? Stan replied testily. Dickie's Nicole's legal guardian, 
and she's the apple of his eye. Little Nicky wanted a country house for a wedding present, so Dickie let her choose one of the family estates. She chose a big old Victorian heap, way the hell up in Northumberland. It's called Weirdhurst Hall. Weird hearse? I echoed, grimacing. Creepy name for a wedding present. Dust off your old English dictionary, Shepard. It's spelled W-Y-R-D-H-U-R-S-T. Means watch place on the wooded hill. Dickie's grandpa built it. Came complete with its own library. More than a thousand books, Dickie tells me. Now that's a nice wedding present, I observed.